up and going for another podcast. Welcome. Uh, good to be with you again and have a conversation around scripture. We're going to do things a little bit different today, but uh, just before we get going, just a reminder that June 14th, uh, we're, we're starting services again, unless unless circumstances change. Of course, we're always attentive to whatever the, the government or the governor or anybody gives us as authority, we're going to submit and do what we need to do. So uh, June 14th is tentative, uh, and, but it looks pretty pretty sure we're going to gather then. 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Uh, we're encouraging you not to, to get there before 15 minutes before service so that we can make sure that we don't have cross traffic. And so, you know, 845 building will be open. And then, you know, we're going to encourage people to kind of get out in a, in a quicker manner and not linger a whole lot, at least these first few weeks. And then hopefully we'll be able to, to build uh, more community in as we go along. But this is just the, the beginning of it. So we're going to look talk about the Go series today. Uh, we've been in the same series for a month. Uh, so we've been in the Go series as we've been ordered to stay home. And so I don't know, I don't know why that, that doesn't make any sense to me. We should, should have been called stay, uh, stay at home, don't do anything, don't eat out, don't have any fun. Um, but uh, it's been Go. And so we've been looking at various scriptures. And we ended that last Sunday, uh, talking in uh, Passage in Acts. Uh, but Mara, why don't you give us kind of the background of the series, just kind of the ideal behind the series? Yeah, so this series picked up um, at basically the beginning of the church we were talking about when Jesus ascended and he left behind this big, big, huge mission um, for the church to accomplish. And I find it, I mean, it's like, it's ironic that it's called go when we had to stay. But I also feel like, isn't that like God's way, the Holy Spirit, like he's taken away our excuses. Like, cause it's easy to say, well, I can't go anywhere, but I feel like this month we have um, rehashed over and over that it really isn't so much our physical going, but it's in our living and how we live out that mission. And we can do that even when we have to physically be apart from each other. So I think it's been um, a really interesting series. It maybe would have been nice if we had looked at it a little more chronologically and really done the early church history. But I think sometimes when we take a step back and we realize if we're just reading someone else's story, maybe we don't see ourselves in that as much. And so I think a lot of the conversations we've had this month have really um, helped me see where, um, what my place is in the mission, how, how God has equipped us, how he's calling us um, to live this out in community, whether we physically are in community or whether it's just our community that we are um, a part of through right now through Zoom and through texts and phone calls, but that there is this, uh, this call, this, um, this mission field that we are all a, a part of and it's, it's other people. Our, we are for other people. We are not against them. And um, I feel like I'm maybe even have more questions now than I did at the beginning, how to really be the church in light of all this. It's a, it's a heavy order. So. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important, Mara, that we're doing this together. And so it's important that early on our kids understand that uh, we serve a go God that yeah. uh, calls us to go. And, and he doesn't call us to go anywhere he doesn't go, <laughs> uh, but he does call us to go. Mm -hmm. Josh, why don't you get into the first scripture for this yeah. week? Yeah, so we kicked off the, uh, the go series um, really from where uh, Jesus kind of gave that those first instructions of, of go, go do this. Um, and it's, uh, it's what we call the great commission. It's kind of Jesus's final departing words, um, to, to his disciples, his followers, the crowd. Now that I'm gone, now that I'm going, this is what I want you to do. And so, uh, this is, Jesus has, 
has been crucified, he's been resurrected, uh, and he's getting ready to ascend to heaven. Uh, again, kind of this final exhortation, this encouragement of here's now your mission. And so here's this kind of where we get this go, this go idea that this is what we are to do. And so in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 16 through 20, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh so we, we talked about that passage in the first week. And, uh, you know, what do you guys, what, what stands out even now after we went through this series? As you look at this passage, what stands out to you uh, when you consider all that we've talked about this past month? I think I'm just, just it is funny how, uh, and that's the beautiful thing about scripture, right? Is every single time you, you look at it or dive into it or dig into it, something different stands out. Um, and that's, so even just now, just that very last phrase, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, uh, in light of, uh, you know, even knowing what we, we talked about on Sunday, uh, with, with Acts and, uh, and Peter being imprisoned and James being killed and, uh, and things beginning to get difficult, uh, and, and, and just thinking of, of the mission of the church today and, and uh, and the way things are just that reminder that. Uh, Jesus is with us to the very end of the age that we, um, man, he goes with us. And uh, that's, that's encouraging. And I, and I, I think in the, the Philippians passage, it says the peace of God, or it says the Lord is near. Uh, and so there, there's a, a real close tie in. And then we're going to move into this next series. We're talking about tabernacle. And we're talking about God being in the midst of the people. So, so it's, it, it is a continuing theme, even in the Great Commission. That's, that's awesome, Josh. What about you, Mara? I was going to say, Josh kind of stole my thunder there because I was totally connecting that with that, um, that phrase from last week where, like, the Lord is near. And for me, I'm just, like, when I sit there and think back through this month, like, that, that really is what changes everything. I mean, we are not given this mission and then sent to go it alone. We are, right. we are bound together and joined in the Holy Spirit. And so we work in his power with his will and his purpose. And, um, and yeah, I just, I find that so comforting. This idea that, that no matter what, even we think about Peter in prison, like God's promise is to be with us. He is near. There is, there's never a moment where we have to look for him he promises that he he's near to us and i i find a lot of encouragement and comfort in that right now that's good that's, yeah go ahead josh i just uh that just man that reminded me uh just um i was listening to a kind of a sermon i don't know if you want to call it sermon encouragement um from uh otis moss a pastor in chicago a black pastor in chicago who was addressing his congregation on sunday hmm. and uh something he said was kind of profound to me uh, is we always ask in difficult questions. We ask, um, God, where are you? Uh, and just, man, this is just reminding me that God is here. And so what, what uh, Moss did was kind of flip that. And, and so instead of saying, God, where are you? Maybe God's saying, 
church, where are you? <laughs> like, if you are doing the mission and the work of God, then God is right there with you. Uh, and so I just, what an encouragement. Uh, it's, it's not God, where are you in the midst of this? It's where are we? Are we doing the work of God? Are we going and doing the mission of God? And if we are, then God promises to be right there with us. That's, yeah. that's awesome because we're going to be looking at tabernacle this, this week in sermon. And, and I think that, that one of the takeaways that people typically take from that is uh, it's a visible reminder that God is in their midst. Uh, but I think there's another way of looking at the tabernacle because they could not move without a ta the tabernacle moving, that they had to follow it. And so that even though God is with us wherever we go, God wants us to be with him wherever he goes, <laughs> uh, that, that God wants to take the lead. And, and, and if, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, it won't be because we take God, it'll be because we follow God. Uh, we, we always follow God. And, 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 and you know, the, the scripture talks about how God runs to the hurting and the broken. And, mm. and, and oftentimes I think we run from the hurting and the broken and, and, and we're running the opposite direction of, of God when we do that. And so uh, when, when we see people hurting in the midst of, of this, this racial tension, uh, God's in the midst of this. Uh, we may not be able to see him, but, but God runs to the brokenhearted rock. God runs to the downtrodden. God runs to the forgotten. And, you know, it's kind of hard in our culture because, uh, you know, we, we are, um, we are privileged. Let's, mm, let's just yeah. acknowledge that we're privileged and yeah. we don't understand uh, some of the issues that, that we're seeing around us. I don't have to worry about my boys being pulled over and, and targeted because of the color of their skin. And, and so we don't understand all that. And I'm not going to pretend that I am, and I'm not going to pretend that, that everybody in this circumstances are acting appropriately. Uh, but I do believe that God's heart breaks for people um, that, that are on the margins and people that, that face oppression. Um, so I don't know how we ended up there that quickly, but uh, it's on our minds, I guess. No, I was just thinking as I read back there, like, I'm like, the mission hasn't changed, but I think it's important to recognize at times when we have executed the mission incorrectly. Mm. And I think it's okay for us to, recognize those times, repent of those and, and, and turn and, and adjust. Like if we, if we profess to follow a God of redemption and restoration, I think that includes that we need to find times when, Hey, we read this and we thought it meant this. And we went full fledged in this direction. And that was the wrong way to go. And I think that the mission hasn't changed, but maybe we can change how we are. We're executing it. Well, that I was at this series. Um, we we talked kind of about missions and mission work and uh, short term mission trips. Was that? Uh, um, we did. Was that in yeah, yeah. I think series? that was part of this. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought, and, and one of the things that we kind of we talked about was this idea of we we so often um, think of this idea of going as we are taking God to those places, yeah. and and it's it's no. God is there. God is already there working. And when we go, we're, we're there joining in. And I think, man, sometimes we, we do, we miss, maybe we miss the move of God because we're expecting God to be with us in our place of, call it what it is, privilege um, and, and, and position. Uh, and perhaps we're missing the move of God because God is already moving in the midst of, of the marginalized and the oppressed and, uh, and it's not about us taking God there. It's about joining with God who's already there at work. 
right. That's good. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we never can forget that even though we're called to the mission, we are part of the mission. <laughs> That, that there is in the mission, there's formation. And so, you know, if, you're not being formed if you're not on mission. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if you're not engaged, then God can't form you. And, and part of it is because, you know, I, I struggle with this idea, well, God's not here. He is here. God, God's, God's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the image of God inviting us to join him where he's at work. And, and while we're joining him, God is working in and through us. Is, um, it, it's the image of, of Matthew 28. Mara, you're getting ready to say something. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was just thinking um, kind of along those lines when we talk about making disciples. I mean, I, I want to make sure we also hang on to that picture that I am being made into a disciple. I am being re reformed into the image of, of God and, and the image of, like, of, of Jesus. And so when I think about making other people, I'm not trying to make them like me. I want to join them as we pursue holiness together. And, um, and, and it comes full circle. See, and so, so you talk about this ideal of imagio Deo, uh, the image of God. Well, the image of God, God is a missionary God that, that from the very beginning, God has been a God who goes to his people and responds to his people. And so to be created in his image is to follow his pattern, to follow his pattern is to be created in his image. And so it, it, it's, it's a circular thing, but as we do these things, it calls us ever more out and towards uh, others. Um, you know, that's, I always liked Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer would say, um, and, and this was after uh, the Nazis were in Germany, that, that the, the call to God is not a call inward and otherworldly, but it's a call to your neighbor. Uh, that that God God has went to our neighbors and to to people who are hurting, and that is our call and that is our mission field. Well, what else we got here, guys? Like I just got a picture of our banner that's hanging up in the back of the sanctuary, our all-in banner. I was looking at it the other night, and I just love like the way that that just comes together between the idea of being invited, involved, included and then invested and just kind of, I feel like that is just such a circular thing where it's like, we want everyone to have a place to belong and in belonging, they become a part of who we are and that leads them to invite and involve other people. And I just, I love that picture of, of our mission and that we we're all in and. Yeah. And, and, you know, even that invest, I think people typically think when they think invest, they think, well, we're investing in building. You're not investing in building, you're investing in people. And every dollar that we spend in the building and appreciate all that Ryan's done with the all in and, and the changes in the building, we're doing those things, not because we want to showcase building, but because we want a building that is inviting to people so that we can have an opportunity to, to invest in their lives and, and include them and all the, and so, yeah, that, that when we invest in our building, we invest in a tool that's being used in the lives of others. That's yeah. Awesome. Cause we talk about Sunday is, is that's our training, our training ground. I mean, we come together that that is not the expression of our faith that one hour that we're together on Sunday. That is where we come together to celebrate and to get re-energized and, and equipped to actually go out. It's so much more important what happens outside of our church walls than, than really what's happening in those moments. But yeah, we do. We need a facility to, um, to allow for that. Yeah. And it, it is so much easier with facility. I, I mean, and part of the reasons we, we do the things the way we do is for ease. 
it's much easier that to have a Sunday morning conversation where everybody comes to me than to do these kind of things to 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 try to get everything out uh, and you know to to try to you know it's easier to control uh, but I'm not sure that it's it's necessarily better uh, the the way we do things I just think it's we've done them because it's it's easier I hope I hope COVID 19s teaching us that there's other ways to do this yeah. Sure. What other thoughts we have, guys, on, on this first week? Anything else? No, not on the first week. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's move on. What did we talk about in the second week? Anybody remember? We looked at Pentecost, which I know felt really weird because it wasn't actually Pentecost. <laughs> but it's okay. I, I, think, I think I will forgive us and allow us to still have a conversation about it, even if it's on the wrong day. I hope so. Yeah, but... church calendar people. <laughs> it was hard because then last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and I'm like, it was Pentecost Sunday, and people's going, no, it's Pentecost Sunday, like two weeks ago, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so we we talked about P Pentecost. What what's the significance of Pentecost, you guys? Hmm. I mean, <laughs> this is and this is where we are, right? And this is what we do. We we interpret and read scripture in the context of where we are and what's going on and uh and so just in the context of <clears throat> where we are now uh, i can't help but think of pentecost in such a way that i mean the holy spirit was something that united people uh from every different background uh different languages different uh different positions and, and like the holy spirit was what unified them and uh and so just speaking of our mission and our call and, and what it means to go, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to be something that unites us? Um, and that's something that we have to, we have to continue to figure out. I feel like I know they talk, the Bible uses the uh, visual of fire and like just think about like lighting that flame and no longer could they really keep in hiding. They were no longer sequestered off, but like right. in that moment, it all just burst out and like I feel like that was the moment that you no longer could contain what what was happening and what was about to just take and spread throughout the world yeah good that's good yeah, yeah. and uh you know there, there's there's fresh power uh there there's that connection all those things in Pentecost uh you know to, to me it's it's always amazing that they didn't linger in that moment but they went right out and started uh fulfilling so it tells me that there's with with the the true move of the spirit you always got to be careful when you say things like this uh, but the true move of the spirit should move us out uh, that that it should not you know I, I think sometimes we mistake emotionalism um, traditionalism um, uh, that's not the word I'm looking for um, uh, nostalgia. nostalgia you know an emotion that connects us to a, to a historical moment as the move of the Holy Spirit. And we just want to linger in that moment because of all the fond memories. Yeah. And, and, and Pentecost, the Holy Spirit pushed them out of their comfort zones into the streets. Yeah. And so, you know, th this is a, um, this is an evangelistic gift. This is a missional gift. Um, I, I think in, in our denomination, and I'll, I'll speak. There's there's two ways that I think that the Holy Spirit has been hijacked, maybe inappropriately, and I may get in trouble for this, but I'm gonna say it anyhow. 
um, that the Holy Spirit is, is all about personal piety. And, and that's what the Nazarenes have done with the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our tobacco patch, you know, and, and that's fine. You know, good things to stop doing those things. In the charismatic movement, it became a worship gift. Uh, but when you look at the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was not a worship gift. It was not about personal piety necessarily, but it was about the move of the church and the move of the kingdom. And, and, the, and the Holy Spirit moved people out and, uh, and it moved them out immediately. They, they didn't linger in that moment at all. Um, yeah. they, they were directly on mission. Yeah. Honestly, like, and I know we'll never know like the whole, I mean, sometimes I get so curious about like the different personality types of like those people that make up like the disciples and like, we'll never know all of them, but I mean, love of proportion says some of them had to be kind of introverted, right? Some of them had to be a little shyer, maybe a little quieter, but I feel like when the Holy Spirit came, like the mission, the, the, the impulse was the same for all of them. Like, I feel like that was that ability to overcome our personal comfort level and our personal and, and see our part in something much bigger and that they're, um, I don't know, I, part of me goes, if, if you, if your heart just doesn't burn in you for people who are hopeless and lost and that you aren't just daily wondering what, what can I be doing to reach other people? Like I, I would encourage you to, to really do some, some seeking because I think if, if our hearts are not just burning for other people, burning when we see injustice, burning when we see people hurting each other, like, that that tells me like that that's where the holy spirit is in my life the holy spirit pushes me towards what matters to god mm-hmm. and people matter to god people matter to god that's yeah. good yeah I, i've never thought about this before but Paul, as you were talking about that that idea of they didn't linger i wonder if uh i wonder if they ever tried to recreate that because <laughs> yeah. i think that's that's what we do right is we yeah. um we, we remember those nostalgic thing moments that we've had in our lives uh, and so we, we try to recreate those same, ex- I mean, I'm guilty of it as a youth pastor, right? Like I know things have worked and uh, the spirit has moved. And so I'm like, okay, how can I do this again? How can I facilitate that again? And, uh, and the, but, but I mean, you read this, this story of, of Pentecost and um, there was, it wasn't the, the Holy Spirit didn't come upon them because of the way that they set up this gathering, right? Like they were just being obedient and the Holy Spirit came. Like there was no formula that once they got all their ducks in a row. Uh, and so to think that we, we, to recreate or to experience that again is something that we have to create or recreate uh, is a little crazy. But again, I'm guilty of it, right? Right. I, I firmly, I firmly believe it. Receiving the Holy Spirit is less about um, the environments we go into and it's more about the environment of our heart uh, mm-hmm. that that sure. we have uh, we determine that a lot because I believe that um, if, if we go well uh, our hearts will determine what we experience often and so you know I know that's the case for me that that if I go with wrong attitude or wrong expectations that 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 I will not receive what God wants to give me because because of my own heart, not because of atmosphere. Right. All right. Any other thoughts on Pentecost? So we did Pentecost in five minutes, so that's good. And uh, (laughs) remember that next year. And then the next week we talked, we were in Philippians. And so I think that's why we, you know, we kind of felt like um, 
or I felt like in this series, we were quite a few places. <laughs> you, you know, we're, we were with Jesus, and then we were at Pentecost, and then we were with Paul when he's in prison. Actually, we weren't Philippians, we were in Ephesians next, right? Yeah. The armor of God. But, but that's another prison letter. Um, and so, so, so we're in Rome with Paul, and then we're back in Acts at the, the last week. So it seemed like we were all over the Roman Empire pyre in, the, in the series. And, uh, but, but we talked about the armor of God. And um, I, I think all of us, as we talked about the armor of God, there were some concerns in how that would be perceived, correct? And I think even so now, uh, that, that of the events of the last week or so, that, that that's something that, that we have to be careful about. What, what's, when, when you think of the armor of God, what are the checks you put in your life to make sure that um, you understand this spiritual warfare that we're in appropriately in a way that is consistent with the mission? What is the mission? The mission's people. So, so how do we understand this armor and use this armor in a way that is consistent with the mission? It's a, yeah, it, it brings that tension that the mission is people, but the battle is not people, right? And so it's just this crazy dichotomy. Um, but it's just, I think it's just this constant reminder um, of this idea that, that God is for people. Uh, and so therefore I have to be for people. Um, and, and, uh, and so just that reminder of, and I think this, this is just what I've been kind of, how I've trying to kind of train myself to like, okay, how do I see this person as God sees this person? And that maybe it's in some way, and I'm not perfect at it. And it's difficult at times to figure out that this is, I'm for people, and, but the battle that we're fighting is not with people. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough dichotomy. Well, well, can we can we go and 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 I'm going to say something. I, I hope I don't turn people off with this. Okay, but but you know I I've been thinking of this the, the George Floyd situation, and it's awful. Um, how difficult is it? not to demonize the police officer and pray for him as well. That's hard, isn't it? So hard. But as I understand the mission, that has to happen. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Um, that, so, so I think that's a clear one. So we see, um, you know, let's give another example. You, you have a child who is being abused. Mm. All right. Um, as I understand the mission, as hard as this is, not only are we concerned for child, we're concerned for abuser. Mm. Um, I, I got to tell you, I push against that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And I think somehow there's that delineating this idea of uh man the difference of praying for and not holding accountable yeah not saying that no uh, for sure yeah there's uh, still accountability own, yeah i think in my own mind that's where i struggle is like i feel like in order to pray for this person it feels like i'm excusing or 
um, yeah. you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, not, and I and I understand that, but I think that's just the the battle in my head and my heart. Uh, yeah. That's no, what I, it feels like. I think something that's that's helped me a lot, and again, you're never going to be perfect on it, is just that reality. And, and I, I could never tell you where I heard it first, but that hurt people or hurting people hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I feel like when I see people inflicting harm on others, I find that for me, that's, that's often a good um, catch for me is to look at and, and maybe wonder and pray about how that person is hurting, how they have been shaped by their situation, by their experiences, by their upbringing, by, by, by any number of things, how that has shaped and impacted them. Because we're all broken. I mean, our brokenness manifests itself different ways, but when we can look beyond what someone is doing and see that there is a hurting, broken, frightened person yeah. there, for, for me, that helps. That helps me to have compassion. That helps me to see the person apart from their actions, not to excuse or not to say you should not be held accountable or there are consequences, but to know that I don't, I just don't believe that people get up and just desire to harm people just, just for the, just for the sake of it. I, I, I think that that comes from, from something much deeper. Yeah. And it, you can see who the most compassionate member of our staff is. It, it's not Josh or I, uh, but Mara. And, uh, but yeah, I think you're right. And, and I, you know, when we're talking about these things, we're your pastoral staff and, and we want you to know this is not easy for us, that, that we struggle. These are the things, I think these are the things people struggle with, that when they talk about spiritual warfare, man, it, it's hard. You know, somebody harms your kid boy, how do you, how do you still value though their personhood? And, and sometimes I think it's almost impossible. You have to just pull yourself back and say, I'm going to pray, but I'm not going to be involved in this circumstance in this, in this relationship, but I will pray. I will forgive. I will let go. Um, boy, it's been a volatile podcast, isn't it? Um, what other thoughts you guys want to move on? on or more thoughts on the spiritual warfare? I'm good on that. Yeah. Um, hard stuff. Um, th- this is hard stuff. And if we, you know, we, and I, I think that's, you, you go back to the mission uh, or you go back to the, the Pentecost, boy, you can't do this without the spirit. Uh, you, you, they're, they're, it, it's impossible for us to do this mission without God's spirit infusing us. And it's impossible to be in his spirit unless we just say, okay, God, uh, I give up. I, I can't do this. I mean, I, I found out very early in my life uh, that, that I could not, this call is too much for me. Uh, it, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in personal grudges and uh, it's much easier to live like that not better to live like that, but much easier to live like that. And so the only way I can do this is through his spirit. And the only way his spirit can, can do the things that the spirit wants to do is if I just say, God, it's all yours. Uh, you know, I go always go back to Romans 12, one and two, you know, make your life a living sacrifice. And, and then God can begin that transformation. And so, you know, those of you listening that we don't get real evangelistic here most of the time, uh, you know, we hope the message that, scriptures are evangelistic but maybe you're struggling maybe 
whatever situation is just causing this hatred uh, to well up in you, um, I, I'm, I'm telling you the only way that you'll work through that is, is just to say, God, it's yours. Uh, this circumstance is yours. This relationship's yours. And can, can you do something new within me? Be, because the thing about hatred is the person that it hurts most is the person that's experiencing it. <laughs> and so, you know, as, as your pastors, we want more for you than, than that. Um, we, we, we understand the battle you're in and you, you can come talk to any, any of us and we'll pray with you and we'll be with you. And um, I think that's a good segue to Philippians uh, 4. Uh, you know, the peace of God, the contentment of God. What stood out to you guys in, in that passage? I, I got to tell you, I love that passage. I could have spent, I could have spent a month in, in Philippians 4, but I, I love Philippians, probably one of my favorite books. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> this is, uh, maybe this is <clears throat> also looking forward to what we just talked about Sunday and, and, uh, and praying and, and things like that. I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through and processing and struggling is within this idea of contentment. Um, what's the balance between contentment and acting or going to, to use our, our series title? Um, is there a danger in being so content or using contentment as a, an excuse to just sit by and not bring about change? For instance, when there is an injustice that is happening um, and is there a temptation is, or to, to be content? Like, I just got to let this play out. Like, I got to be content. I, I just need to pray about it to where I just, that gives me an excuse to be passive. Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, I think it does. What do you think, Mara? No, I, yeah, because I feel like that contentment can also then slip into just complacency. And so you feel like, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with how things are. And so it doesn't, it doesn't affect me personally. So I can live in that idea of contentment. But um, then you think about, well, <laughs> If, if injustice is happening to one person, it's really injustice happening to all of us. Like when we stand by and see that, that, really, that, affects, that affects the quality of, of all of our, our lives, of our, of our mission. And um, Paul, you mentioned being like setting ourselves up as a living sacrifice. And sometimes I think the thing we have to sacrifice is often our self-interests and our self-preservation, our self-desires. I mean, we're looking at a racial system in America that has, was broken from the beginning. I mean, we look at this, was, this whole thing was built putting these, the interests of a few over the humanization of, of many. And when we talk about how, yeah, how do we, we want, we want contentment, we want peace, we want unity. But when that is not experienced across the board, it, it really isn't, it isn't, it's a false version of that. And so I like when Philippians talks about whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's honorable, all of those things, think about those things. We talked last week about how those are hard things to actually pursue. And so I think there is a tension in like living in contentment where we are not in comparison and in that jealousy and looking at other people, but also that we are always seeking justice. We yeah. love mercy. We are walking humbly with God. Like that's what he's required of us. That's what he asks of us. And so I do, I feel like there is, there's a tension there 
and that we don't want to remove ourselves and just be apathetic. And I'm, I'm content. I'm happy. I'm fine. But we are not fine and we are not content. That's good. You know, you, you actually did use, it actually is an Abraham Lincoln quote. You know, it's just not what the internet says. Injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. There it is. That, yeah, that's what I was that's thinking. A, that's a Lincoln quote. And that's uh, paraphrased. Pull that one out so, just for you, Paul. Thank you. But, uh, <laughs> but that's true. I, I mean, and, and I don't think God calls us to be content in injustice. I think he calls us to be content in our circumstances. That that he, he calls us to be active agents. That, agents. That's why, you know, he says go. You know, I, I think that some people uh, mistake contentment with fatalism, uh, with this ideal of, well, that's just the way it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And I don't think God calls us to be fatalist, but he calls us to be active uh, agents in his kingdom. And, and that means we can't we can't be content. We should not be content that one lost person is out there. We, we, should, we, we should not be content that one person is marginalized. Um, we should not be content that 7 million people will die of starvation in the world in, in one year. We should not be content that 3.5 million people will die of water-related disease in one year. We was talking about this last night and Mara said that it, if what we spent on dog food would alleviate what, what was? I think it's world hunger, but that, that, that statistic could be a few years old. I just remember hearing that. I think I was in college and just being dumbfounded that that, that amount of money is, is, is all it takes. I mean, I say all like that with the level of irony because we spend a lot of money on pet food. Yeah. Just what we spend for feeding our dog could probably alleviate world hunger by itself. Um, just his snacks. He doesn't like food, just snacks. Um, so, <laughs> uh, dogs. Sounds like a toddler or a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> a little about. That's funny. Um, I think that's, uh, that's the importance of understanding the story of scripture as a whole, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like if I'm, if I'm just cherry picking some of these verses, it can lead me, you know, I can, I can say that can lead me to this kind of passive sitting back and in, in that fatalistic kind of viewpoint. But if I, if I look at the entire story of God um, through the written scripture, um, I can't, right? There's, you can't, you can't sit back and say that we sit here and do nothing because that's not what God did. God doesn't sit back and do nothing. Uh, and so we, we've got to take the scripture as a whole, the, the whole story, uh, the whole story of God. Uh, and, and yeah, sometimes we don't like to do that. Jesus wasn't content that we were lost. As a matter of fact, he was so not content uh, that he died on a cross so that we wouldn't be lost. That's pretty not content. Yeah. And even in like, and even as he was doing his ministry and walking on earth, he was not very content with their being marginalized and oppressed people. <laughs> like uh, you can argue if you, if you, if you want, but like Jesus made it pretty clear that uh, his mission was oppressed and marginalized people while he was walking on earth. And he was certainly not content. Well, we're almost 40 minutes in and we're, we're not to the last scripture. And we're going to talk about 30 minutes about that. No, I, don't, I don't think we'll do that. So we end with this story, and it's um, Peter's been arrested, and uh, uh, James has been killed, 
And so the, the church, that's two of the three main leaders. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, has assumed some leadership uh, as well. But these are two significant leaders that are, that one's in prison, one's dead. And the church gathers and prays and, and begins to pray. And, and God releases Peter. And, and it's, it's not even what they're expecting to happen. You know, kind of a weird story. Uh, but but it, I think it, at least as we as we look at this, I, I think we can understand um, circumstances not going according to plans. That God had just begun this mission to the Gentiles, and now all of a sudden it looks like it's falling apart. And so, I don't know. It feels like that a lot in my life. That it seems like I'll get plans going, then all of a sudden it feels like it's falling apart. And and there's this invitation just in this passage, and we won't spend a lot of time in it. Just to join others and to join in prayer, uh, that, that God cares and that we can join together. Uh, any thoughts on that passage, guys? And one thing I was thinking is, I feel like it's easy, again, if you just look at a Bible story in isolation, you look at this one and it, it has what looks like a happy ending to it. They, they prayed for something. It seems like they didn't even really believe that what they were praying for was going to happen. And it, and it miraculously did. And then we kind of closed the scene on this. And um, I think sometimes if we look at our own prayer lives that way, it can become hard to to look at things as part of a bigger story and right. we can look at a prayer that either was answered the way that we prayed it would be or that wasn't answered the way that we prayed it would be and and feel like that is that's the end of the story that's the role of the, the final scene and it's like peter was, was delivered from prison he was he was rescued but he went on to not necessarily have a, a happy ending by any means and i mean so he was released from one situation basically i mean to live the rest of his life preaching and then ultimately to to die at the hands of of um, the romans later on so um when i read this i'm like okay it, it kind of looks like it had a happy ending but it there was more to peter's to story like god there was more for him to accomplish and so it, it served that that larger plan for him to not stay in prison that time um but i think sometimes it's yeah it's hard to understand the prayers that that god says yes to and the prayers that feels like a no yeah yeah, it does make you wonder what they were praying, what they were praying for, uh, you know, because, you know, Peter's at the door and it's like God's answer. I, so, so it makes me think that they weren't praying to the extent that God wanted to answer. And, and, and I think there's some truth in that, that sometimes maybe we shortchange God. And, and then sometimes God answers prayer in ways he's answered the prayer, but we don't see it. Uh, because it's not what we expected. And so uh, getting beyond the, the happy ending released from jail, uh, is it possible that thing that you've been praying for, God has answered, but you've not heard the knock on the door and uh, God has answered in a way, maybe not the way you want, maybe not in a way that's all shiny and bright, but maybe God has answered. Um, Josh, what are you thinking? I don't know. <laughs> Um, no, I, I think no, that, I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I think Mara just just said it because um, when, when I when I started thinking about this podcast discussion, uh, it was it was very much like a well, this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous scripture because they prayed, he was released from prison miraculously, and everything is just peachy. 
and uh, and I've been, you know, you know, I've I've been around enough to know that that's not the way that uh, that it that it always works out. Um, but again, uh, understanding this in the whole story uh, is, is extremely important. And so it's it's easy again to again to cherry pick that idea and say, man, if we just pray, then everything's going to turn out all right. Uh, which could also lead to that passive complacency of if I just pray, that's all I got to do. Uh, but again, it's this prayer coupled with action, right? Um, uh, and, and, and taking the entire story together, not just, um, yeah. So there's, I, I have a lot of other thoughts on this, um, but it would turn into another 30 to 45 minutes. And so <laughs> I don't want to go down those rabbit trails. Well, I mean, I guess in the story, um, that that for the week i mean james was dead <laughs> so it's it's yeah. not like i mean so we we gloss over this ideal oh james gets killed but peter gets released well james was as significant in many respects as peter and he was dead he was right. dead. The Jews and they that this was happening basically as Herod's way to appease the Jews and he was doing it for their approval and yeah yeah no there's there, there's a lot in here there's uh, okay uh, <laughs> there's so many parallels to uh, where we're at right now in this in the <laughs> just in this in this chapter uh, yeah. it's it's crazy yeah. but again that could be another hour podcast phrase that keeps coming to mind for me is um and then we've come up this a couple of times this month this idea of praying in the spirit and like we talk about how we are each individuals and we are unique and made in the image of god but his spirit that he has given to all of us is his spirit so when we are praying in the spirit when we are interceding on behalf of other people like we are communicating with with god through that spirit that is the same in all of us and so when i think about bringing unity i think about that, that that is really where it begins, is when we are really praying to see people the way he does, to love people the way that he does, for yeah. the desires of our heart to be the desires of his heart. I think we all read like Psalm 37, 4, and delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's like, well, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he is mm -hmm. the desire of your heart. Like he, right. like that, our heart is, is melted with his and, um, that's, that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying as, as we, I mean, we talk about, we're all praying together and like, that's what I hope to see out of this is truly that we have a, a common, a goal, a unified um, way forward. Yeah. I think that's the answer to the, the temptation to become passive and complacent uh, and simply instead of, or, or just praying uh, and that leading to doing nothing. If we're truly praying that prayer, that God, Teach me to see people the way you see people. Teach me to not be okay with the things that you're not okay with. Um, yeah. Break my heart with what breaks yours. If if we truly pray that God's desires become our desires, we can't. It can't lead to complacency and and passiveness. It can't. No, in my life, those are the scary prayers. Those are the ones that He will show up real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no problem answering those. <laughs> right. And, and, and my trust is without borders done. That's, it's terrifying. So say, say those, I mean, pray those, but know that, man, you, you are, you're going to be on to a new, a new, a new journey here. Yeah. I think it's important to note that when Paul talks about being content, he's not talking about being content in, in, in the process of God's kingdom. He's talking about being content in what he has. 
Uh, yeah. that, that's the contentment. I've had a lot. I've had a little. I've learned the secret of being content in what I have, mm-hmm. not in what's going on in God's kingdom. Uh, right. I think Paul Paul is a model of uh, wanting more and more of Jesus. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, in Philippians 3, it talks how he's pressing onward, upward towards the goal uh, mm-hmm. that, that he is continuing. And so that that's our call as well. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good way to close out and to close out a series. Uh, we'll, we'll probably take a one week, as a matter of fact, I know we are, we're going to take a one week hiatus and then dive back into podcast um, the, the following week. And so um, a lot of things going on. Uh, keep your church in your prayers. I'll, I'll pray us out today and, and, and then we'll be done. You guys, hearts clear? Yep. Okay, then let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the invitation that you give us in Matthew 28 to go to make disciples, to be a disciple. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of your presence, even in hard times. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. Lord, we don't always understand it, but we believe uh, that, that you meet with us in prayer. Uh, but Lord, where you want to take us in prayer is, is, is not just that we get everything we want, uh, but that somehow we begin to accomplish your will, just like you uh, call us to do. So be with us, bless us, keep us. Uh, may, we, uh, may we be your kingdom people accomplishing your kingdom goals in Marysville, Ohio. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, see you folks.